0: hey there everybody and welcome to this video on breaking the cycle parenting with anxiety or PTSD I'm your host Dr Donnelly Snipes I very often get this question um, and it comes in a variety of different forms but basically caregivers who are very concerned that they were under stress or traumatized during their pregnancy or when their kids were infants and this comes from uh, parents of both genders caregivers of both genders and it may not even be biological caregivers but caregivers recognize that when kids were young they were under chronic stress or traumatized or not quote there like they quote should have been and we're going to talk about the should in a few minutes i've already noticed that my children are dysregulating when they get upset they act out they get very angry they throw things they become very depressed and sullen okay well it's good to notice that let's figure out what to do and i'm in therapy now for xyz anxiety trauma ptsd cptsd bpd whatever the diagnosis is well that's wonderful because therapy is going to help you develop the tools that you need to teach your kid if you didn't already have them so that's awesome being in therapy though is exhausting and and we're going to talk about how important it is when you're having a bad day when you become aware of the fact that you're having a bad day or you're um exhausted after therapy to take ownership for that especially if your children are very young so they're not wondering what did i do your children may need remediation in emotional intelligence attachment behaviors and self-esteem we're going to talk about each one of those young children often find the concept of forgiveness a bit easier a five-year-old is often more ready to forgive than a 15 year old or a 25 year old it's important to respect their boundaries whatever their age is and not try to force or cajole or demand forgiveness you may start doing the right thing well your the proof is in your behavior even if you do a 180 degree turn on your behavior and all of a sudden you are you know the parent of all parents your child may have some traumatic memories and anger that they need to process but they can't do that until they feel safe so there's a lot of stuff that may have to happen and growing up in a household with a caregiver that has a mental illness whether it's PTSD CPTSD BPD anxiety whatever that is technically technically considered an adverse childhood experience why well because the caregiver who is the child's main source of survival is maybe unstable unpredictable or um emotionally unavailable to the child so there's a lot of stuff that happens and I'm not blaming the parent I'm just saying this is the environment that it is and it is what it is it doesn't mean it can't be improved but that is the reason that children who grow up in a household where one or more caregivers has a uh, mental illness or addiction do tend to have worse outcomes it doesn't always happen I mean caregivers you know you may have PTSD or anxiety whatever your diagnosis is you may have a diagnosis and it is in remission or you have it pretty well under control or the other caregiver is able to step in when you're having a bad day all of those things are helpful at buffering the child and remediating any damage but if the damage has started to occur all right what do we do about it start out by taking an inventory what are your symptoms depending on your diagnosis you're going to have different symptoms depending on you two people with PTSD may have very different presentations and that's okay but you need to know what your symptoms are and then I want you to think about the ways that they've impacted your relationship with yourself I know that's a weird one and prevented you from being consistent with yourself mindful of what you need responsive to your needs attentive to yourself giving yourself props doing things that are kind for yourself validating of your feelings and your thoughts encouraging and supportive you know this craves mnemonic we use a lot in in my presentations when we talk about developing secure attachment in my opinion before you can develop secure attachment with others you need to at least start developing secure attachment with yourself you need to start being aware consistently mindful of how do I feel what are what are my needs and then responding to yourself in a caring and compassionate way that is part of the healing process modeling these behaviors for your children is fabulous it teaches them hey this is how I should treat myself this is what I need to do in order to help regulate my emotions now young children are not necessarily going to pick up on a lot of that however these behaviors being consistent responsive attentive validating encouraging and supportive will help you feel safer help you feel more empowered help you feel more grounded which will reduce the overall stress in the household reduce your vulnerability to dysregulation and improve your ability to be able to be emotionally and physically available for that child so how awesome is that more inventories what is your emotional intelligence level how effective are you at identifying your own feelings Hmm. are you able to say I am curious I am angry I am sad I am happy do you even notice and that goes back to that consistency are you consistently mindful of how you feel or do you wait until you get to the point you just ignore the happy stuff and the only time you pay attention to your emotions is when you are bubbling over with depression or anxiety or anger it's important to become more aware of identifying your feelings when they start that's the good ones too start taking notice of the good ones and when you're having a good day identify your triggers and your vulnerabilities for your feelings and with my clients i encourage them to just get out a sheet of paper and list on each sheet of paper identify a different emotion and you can start out with the big five you know happy uh angry sad scared curious whatever you you want the fifth one to be okay start out with the general ones what triggers those in you what vulnerabilities, what things make you more likely to react with that emotion? So, if I'm overtired or I'm in pain or I'm sick, I am a lot more likely to respond with irritability than I am with patience or contentment. Recognizing not only what triggers your anger, but what makes you more vulnerable to having a stronger reaction is really important that way if you wake up in the morning and you know you wake up and you've already got a headache and or you don't feel well and you're you're dragging yourself out and you're trying to make breakfast or whatever you're doing you recognize that you're already vulnerable to being irritable so you can acknowledge that you can say you know what mommy really doesn't feel well today or dad or whatever your title is and you know I really want to be here for you it's nothing that you did I just I don't feel well kids understand that you don't have to get into great detail about what's going on Uh, you can also if you recognize that you're vulnerable that may be one of the times that you say you know what I really don't feel well right now so instead of me making this big meal let's go out to eat let's pick up something to eat on the way to school yes that's not the ideal situation but every once in a while you gotta you gotta weigh your options is it better to stick it out and try to make breakfast and get all the dirty dishes and try to fight with Junior about whether they're going to finish their breakfast or is it better just to pick something up on the way and you know make everybody happy not something to do all the time but it's one of those ways to mitigate the vulnerability when you recognize you're vulnerable how can you buffer and prevent that from becoming worse how effective are you at regulating your feelings let me go back to identifying triggers and vulnerabilities so you have those different sheets for each emotion You're going to identify your triggers you're going to identify the things that make you more vulnerable to having that feeling that emotion extremely and then go back and identify ways to prevent or mitigate those things you can't always prevent pain so when you're in pain what can you do to make the best of it to mitigate the impact minimize the impact that that has on how you react to your children so those lists can be very helpful because it encourages you to think ahead of time before you're in the moment before you're already feeling distressed you've already thought about what are some practical things I can do in order to improve the next moment once you've identified your feelings and you know your triggers and and what's going on how effective are you at regulating your feelings tolerating distress getting into your wise mind and then choosing a response option choosing how to improve the next moment choosing the best way to respond that is productive and leads you toward a rich and meaningful life which in this particular scenario is that of being a good parent and having a child that feels safe and secure how effective are you at identifying feelings in others and this again goes back to consistency you need to be not only do you need to be able to identify what does happy look like what does angry look like but you need to be able to be consistently mindful noticing how people feel in the moment not just waiting until they bubble over before you say oh something going on huh it's important especially with your with younger kids to be mindful of these things because they probably don't have the vocabulary to express themselves and waiting until they're acting out before you acknowledge it has let it get too far so backing up and becoming more aware of their feelings and children will express everybody uh, often has different ways of expressing their feelings when one person gets mad they may display it in one way when another person gets mad they may display it in a completely different way it's important to know how your child displays those feelings and are you able to respond appropriately to other people's feelings what does that mean if you've been in traumatic situations or if you have a lot of anxiety when people express distressful feelings anger anxiety depression um, resentment what anything that might make you feel uncomfortable are you able to respond appropriately and not get angry in response not get um, feel threatened and suppress that other person's emotions or invalidate their feelings are you able to handle hear other people's emotions and that goes back to boundaries are you able to respond appropriately when they're happy instead of being angry that they're happy and you're having a bad day are you able to respond appropriately so all that's important and most of us this is something we work on on a daily basis it's something that we constantly hone we constantly get better at but it is something that's important how can you improve your inner and outer environment so you feel safer and more empowered inner environment is inside your head your self-talk your inner critic whatever you want to call that voice how can you improve that environment so you feel safer so you don't so your self-esteem is higher so you feel more empowered so you think all right. I can do this instead of I have no business doing this you know you want to switch to say okay I may not have all the answers but I know where I can find them I know who I can consult I've got support so that's the inner and the outer environment how can you create this environment that is nurturing and where you feel safe and empowered and you can help your children feel safe and empowered in what ways have your symptoms impacted your relationship with your child and prevented you from being consistent well let's go through each one of these independently consistent if you're anxious you may be so worried about whatever it is you're anxious about that you just can't even focus on Junior if you've got trauma you may be hyper vigilant and again worried anxious and not feeling safe you're not getting good rest you're not able to focus so you have difficulty being consistently mindful of what junior needs how have your symptoms kept you from being appropriately responsive helping them identify their feelings de-escalate identify triggers identify coping responses and take the next step how have your symptoms prevented you from being attentive and this means attentive even when your kids are not in crisis that means giving them positive attention giving them positive feedback letting them know that they're loved for who they are yeah they're going to make mistakes there's no May about it they're going to make mistakes but that's okay you love them anyway validating what seems like a crisis to a 10-year-old probably doesn't seem like anything to a 30-year-old however that's because a 30-year-old has had 20 more years of experiences to measure it up against that because that's because a 30 year old theoretically has more coping skills and more resources to use to deal with it whereas a 10 year old only has a limited number of experiences so it can feel extremely overwhelming it can feel like the end of the world and validating how that child feels at that moment means recognizing and acknowledging hey I see this is how you're feeling it doesn't mean you agree it means I am acknowledging I'm recognizing how you feel right now then moving on to being encouraging all right what can we do about it and supportive as they take the steps to learn how to identify their emotions and deal with them how can you improve your attachment security with your child How can you improve these how can you be more consistent and that may mean actually setting push notifications on your mobile device to check in with your kid periodically we occasionally we all get to a place where we've got 17 different things pulling on us and we need to be reminded to check in on things that are not making waves because we're paying so much attention to all the waves all right, that's fine consistent some families will have uh, meal time where they sit and the whole family gets together without mobile devices at meal time and they actually communicate they check in with one another at least once a day one of the meals if not twice a day uh, this is, can be a good time to be consistent and mindful of what's going on another little hint for consistency if you're hanging out with your kids and you've got get this funny feeling it's like "Uh, something's wrong probably is that's that mindfulness you pay attention to that thing in the pit of your stomach your spidey sense whatever you want to call it and that's a good time to say hey you doing okay Um, and the child may say yeah i'm just tired or they may have something that they're upset about and they want to talk so being consistently aware not only of what's going on with your kids but also pay attention to your to your caregiver senses or your spidey senses and inquire about what's going on that's means a lot to children even if something's not going on if you care enough to actually ask hey anything you need to talk about i get the sense that something's wrong my daughter came home from um, a doctor's appointment yesterday and you know it was a really long doctor's appointment and she was very very flat and i couldn't tell if she was depressed or if she was just exhausted so i asked and you know we talked about it and then i felt better because i was like okay i know what's going on and hopefully she knew that you know i cared enough to ask responsive it's really important to be responsive to your kids and you can't be responsive if you're dysregulating which is why it's so important to get a handle on these things for yourself first where you can recognize you can identify feelings you can even do those same feeling sheets with your kids and if they're younger you may need to use pictures or emojis or something but you can do pictures with your kids little kids may talk about feelings in terms of animals or colors or something else and that's okay however they are able to articulate communicate what they're feeling thinking about how your symptoms have kept you from being able to be attentive so what can you do again this may come down to scheduling in and putting push notifications in your mobile device to remind you hey I want to spend time with my child on Saturday you know I, I want to make sure I don't plan anything for Saturday or each evening you know hopefully you wouldn't have to have a reminder uh, that I want to spend you know my child goes to bed at seven thirty, and I want to read them a story at 7. having a routine like that can be really meaningful to children because it's predictable children like predictability not you know constant but they do like predictability and it means a lot to them when they can count on you to help them with this wind down ritual validating can be very hard because a lot of people who've experienced who experience anxiety and trauma as adults may have not grown up in validating environments and it is important to remember how that felt and also to be able to develop the ability it's hard don't get me wrong it's hard to validate your child's feelings even if they make you uncomfortable if they're angry at you validating I see that you're really angry at me and not feeling overwhelmed or threatened by that but also as I said validating the intensity of their feelings about other things even if you don't agree remembering it from your from their perspective the best analogy that I can make that we can do you know right now as adults get down on your hands and knees and envision the world from being down there from being little how much bigger and more overwhelming does everything seem yeah that's kind of what we're talking about cognitively too how can you be more encouraging and supportive of your children and there's a boundary there there's hovering and there's encouraging and it's important to recognize where that boundary is for your child some children prefer more interaction some children prefer less and it's important to also let them know hey if I'm being too smothering if you need a little space it's okay to tell me I need a little space that also helps them feel empowered to set and maintain their boundaries in what ways have your symptoms and your less than ideal relationship so less than ideal attachment relationship impacted your child has it caused your child to be angrier than you would like okay remember anger is a response to threat so we want to dig down in there and say in what ways is anger protecting my child what are they afraid of why don't they feel safe why don't they feel empowered and what can i do to change that it's it's what's done is done but it doesn't have to keep negatively impacting the child some children will develop anxiety or distrust and we talk about anxiety a lot in terms of abandonment anxiety and attachment anxiety but anger and anxiety both kind of come out in attachment styles the anxious attachment this is the child that is very very fearful of you leaving and very very fearful of disapproval and they melt down when they fear when they're in the there's the possibility of abandonment or rejection or criticism Um, and they they may react with a variety of stress responses they may get angry they and fight they may flee they may retreat from the whole situation they may fawn they may try cajoling you to do whatever they can to make you still love them because they're so afraid that you're going to reject them Um, they may freeze they may just not know what to do and they're just like and sometimes they just say screw it forget about it so that's the fifth F uh, when they fear a, uh abandonment or rejection they may just withdraw into this deep depression avoidant attachment is characterized more by the withdrawal they feel that anxiety coming on and instead of fighting or fawning they either flee or withdraw because they just they're out of energy it's not worth it they don't see the point they've been let down so many times they just avoid the possibility of getting hurt because they expect it the anxious attachment this is the person who knows it could be painful a lot of times they blame themselves for any rejection or or abandonment issues and they but they desperately want to be with that other person the avoidant attachment Has just put up a wall and said you know what i'm out disorganized attachment may present uh, it's a combination of anxious and avoidant where the person may initially be anxious but if they don't get their needs met then they withdraw into the avoidant and they wall people off regardless of how it presents it is a symptom of fear is a symptom of abandonment anxiety and a symptom of lack of secure attachment that needs to be addressed what does needs to happen so the child can feel safe from rejection can feel loved you know even if I make a mistake I'm not going to be rejected I'm not going to be abandoned so they can feel safe and empowered to become their own person you know it's one thing to to feel safe I'm safe if I do everything that my caregivers want me to do exactly how they want me to do it it's another thing to feel safe and empowered to become your own person where hey I feel safe I know I'm loved even if they don't agree with everything I do and even if I do something a little different than they wanted me to and that is really important as the child grows and moves into later stages of psychosocial development some children who've been exposed to a parent with anxiety or anger or PTSD or BPD may also just evidence depression a sense of helplessness and hopelessness they don't know how to stay safe they don't know how to get the love that they need from their caregiver so they've just given up and some may express their emotions through acting out now i could have put this with anger but children when they're anxious when when they're angry even when they're depressed they may act out in a variety of different ways and it's important to remember that behavior is communication behavior often is the child's way of communicating something they don't have words for look at the behavior what triggers it what is the result of it or what are they hoping the result will be and that gives you an idea if they start acting angry and pushing you away then it may mean that they fear you feel like a threat to them in some way it's important to remember that children learn through scaffolding and responsiveness now we've already talked about that some but one of the mnemonics that I've come up with because I know a lot of you like mnemonics it helps you remember all the steps is edit we want to help people edit their emotional responses so E stands for emotion help the child label the feeling what are you feeling right now and remember I said with children sometimes you need to use emojis pictures colors D stands for de-escalate when they are dysregulated they are not able to really process much when you're dysregulated you're not able to process much you're in fight or flea mode it's important to help them get into the wise mind for children this can be encouraging them to breathe now not all kids like to do that let them chew gum and blow a bubble or give them bubble stuff so they can just blow bubbles that slows their breathing and can trigger their vagus nerve and trigger the relaxation response some children do do best or respond well to a hug when they are feeling unsafe when they are feeling like they're getting ready to dysregulate a hug helps them feel secure it's kind of like swaddling and it can trigger the release of oxytocin which can also help them calm down now and and swaddling is the same way for much much younger children as well as weighted vests this is not appropriate for all children some children the last thing in the world they want is to be restrained so it's important to know and read your child on the opposite end of the spectrum some children when they start getting upset maybe they got into a fight with somebody at the playground or something they need to move so let's let's go on a walk for a minute and then we can talk about what's going on and I put yell with a question mark because with young children a lot of times they have a hard time differentiating when it's appropriate to yell and when it's not appropriate to yell Um, sometimes yelling can be very cathartic just putting your face into a pillow and ah screaming or maybe not even putting your face into a pillow but there are times and places where that's appropriate and times where it's not so you need to know yourself and know your children to figure out whether that's an appropriate de-escalation tool once they're in their wise mind help them identify their triggers so E is emotion identification labeling D is de-escalating I is identifying triggers and coping strategies you know what triggered it what could you do to respond what triggered it what could you do to respond and then t is testing those coping or resolution strategies all right so you got into a fight with Jamie at over something in the sandbox what do you think the best thing to do would be all right if whatever the child chooses out of the identify coping responses support them in trying that out if it works well great you can process that if it doesn't work well okay so let's process why that didn't go so well it could be the delivery or it could be that the other child was just not receptive and that's on that child secure attachments consistent responsive attentive validating encouraging and supportive help children develop emotional intelligence their ability to identify their emotions the triggers and vulnerabilities for their emotions to modulate or manage their emotions to identify emotions in others and to respond appropriately to others emotions it helps them develop confidence because when they can do that it improves their social skills it improves their sense of safety it improves their sense of safety within their own head and confidence in their ability to manage their own emotions it's like hey i can feel angry and it doesn't consume me it improves their self-esteem it can improve their boundary awareness as you talk with them especially in that validating part about how i see that you're very angry right now well they see that you're not angry and they recognize hey it's okay to feel this feeling even if everybody around me doesn't feel it and communication skills because through this process the edit process you're helping them develop emotional vocabulary label their feeling talk it out identify triggers and communicate what their needs wants and desires are children can't effectively learn when they're fearful or dysregulated so think what helps your child feel safe what triggers your child and how can you mitigate that my daughter when she was younger she's older now so she self-regulates quite well but when she was younger I knew that large crowds were overwhelming for her so taking her to the mall on a Saturday afternoon was kind of a no-go and it's important to know ahead of time what might trigger your child so you can help them become more aware of what triggers their anxiety what are your child's vulnerabilities and how can you respond again noting you know when Johnny is feeling X tired in pain sick then he tends to have more difficulty coping with distress okay so how can you respond you notice that Johnny woke up and he's not feeling well or you Johnny woke up and he's feeling kind of achy then you can help him identify that as a vulnerability and figure out how to best plan his day from there on out or children learn through observation when the caregiver has stress the child has stress I learned when I was uh, in my first internship that just by observing and obviously talking to supervisors but a lot of times children act out when they perceive stress from their caregivers when they're kind of like sponges and they absorb that stress and they don't know what to do with it so they may start acting out because they don't know how to cope with that stress they may also start acting out because caregiver is their survival line their lifeline and they don't want caregiver to be distressed when caregiver is distressed it is it's scary for because they're afraid caregiver will go away or abandon them or whatever so they may act to try to distract caregiver and make caregiver happy sometimes children will start acting fawning and trying to soothe the caregiver for the same reasons they may blame themselves they may not know why caregiver is upset but they may take the take it on themselves and think i must have done something so then they try to fix it and it's important for us to recognize this it doesn't mean that we are going to never be distressed that's not realistic <clears throat> but when you are distressed it's important to communicate that and say you know what and I I know I said this earlier but I'm saying it again because it's that important we need to let our children know even when they're toddlers or maybe especially when they're toddlers hey mommy's really tired or I'm not feeling well or I've had a bad day um and it's got nothing to do with you I really I love you or I want to spend time with you or how about if we watch a movie instead of going to the park if you've got a migraine or something I don't know Uh, but it's important to help the child understand through words and actions that your mood is not about them it's not rejecting of them you're not angry with them you're not going to lash out at them or you know you're not a threat to them in any way it's never too late for you to start your recovery your children may need some time to trust just because you start going to therapy or even you've been in therapy for six months it doesn't mean that everything is completely hunky-dory maintaining and respecting boundaries and owning your feelings is especially important with younger children the skills you're learning to cope in therapy are likely skills they need as well they too have suffered stress and trauma albeit hopefully indirectly and not directly Um, they have experienced because of your stress they've kind of absorbed some of that and it's been overwhelming to them and they also need those skills that we talked about and other skills that you might be learning in treatment